All right, so I should not have eaten. I'm, uh, I ate too much. I just love mashed potatoes and gravy. And, uh, you know, it wasn't on my list last night on those things that you battle. But that's been an ongoing battle since I've been two years old. And it'll probably be an ongoing battle till I'm 82. Because I won't have any teeth. And that's about the only thing I'll have to eat is mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, y'all ready? Man, uh, this is moving. Away from me. Don't set the leg. Don't, 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 don't. Oh, no, I'm going to get rid of it. It's going to go away. All right, so here's what I need you to do. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Now this feels, this feels better. It feels, it feels Gucci. I like it. Deuteronomy chapter 20 is where we're going to be. All right, so last night we challenged you. Name your battle. Name your enemy. What are you expecting from God at this camp? And I, and I, think, I think, honestly, some of you have still yet to name that battle. You, you've named the things that you want to hide behind, right? You've written down some, some things that are issues in everybody's life. Yeah, they, they need to be addressed. What is that battle? Have you named it? And if you have, praise the Lord. Um, and, and I think... I, I think Maybe some of you think, well, we just came to camp and you're asking me to write down about, because you just want me to talk about my problems. Um, yeah, we want to talk about your problems. And then we want to lay them down at the feet of Jesus Christ. And we want to lay them there. And we want to leave them there and watch him go to work. That, that's the reality. We're not just here to talk about problems. And we're not just here to say about this mythical battle that we're going to fight. And so I, I just want to point out some things here. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, we're just going to read four verses. Now, we're going to do a lot of cross-referencing. We're just going to camp out in four verses uh, right here. And, just, and I just want to point out some things that are very, very important because tomorrow night's coming. And uh, it's going to be lit. I'm just saying. It's going to be awesome. Very familiar passage. We're going to have a good time in that. I'm excited about it. Um, but, man, I'm excited about this. All right, so we mentioned it last night. We mentioned it this morning. We're in one of three places tonight. Amen? One of three places. You're on your way into a battle. You are stuck in the middle of a battle or you're on your way out. And I got news for you. You're at camp and God's going to lead you into something. And there are people in this room right now that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they are warring right now. There's a war for your soul going on this very moment. This very moment. There's a war going on for your soul. And my prayer is that you would humble yourself and cry out and ask Jesus Christ to save your soul. I'm praying that God will do that in your life tonight. That is my prayer. All right, so let's just read Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into it. Y'all ready? Four people are ready. Good night. Some of you all ate too many mashed potatoes and gravy. 
Here we go. Let's, let's just read Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. It says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, thou seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Is that not a great promise? The Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, verse 2, and it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and, and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. Why? Well, here's why, verse 4. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. To save you. That's the whole reason that we go to fight. That's the whole reason we're, we're willing to step out on the battlefield. It's not so that you win. It's so that you're saved. That's the reality. It's not so that you can be the conqueror. So that he's the one that does the conquering. Everybody with me? You tracking with me? Y'all good? Anybody sleep last night? That's what I'm making. No. I can say no. Yes. Uh-huh. I asked my son. I said, did I snore? Because I was worried about that. You know. Because what I'm tired. I'm out. He goes, no, you, you didn't snore. Good, because you did. <laughs> Good night. All right, here's the deal. Let me give you your first blank. We've got to jump right into this. You will go into real battles because you have real enemies. Did you get that? You will go into real battles because you have real enemies. It's one thing to write a battle. It's one thing to say, I've got an enemy. It's one thing to say, this is what I'm trusting God for. Here, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm going to be waiting on me when I get home. It's one thing to have it on paper, and it's great in theory. But let me just say something. You have some real enemies. You have some real enemies, which means you will go into some real battles. Listen, we're not just writing things down to have a sweet little cabin time. That's not why we're doing this. I'm trying to get you to understand and get you to see something. You have some real enemies. And so look what he says in verse 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies. Listen, the question a lot of people are asking, do I have to go to battle? The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. Here's your next blank. You can never really avoid going into battle. Why? Because look what it says. What's the very first word? Come on, you can read. What's it say? When. Does it say if? It says when. It's a guarantee. You will go to battle. You will go into battle. Do I have to go? Yes, you must. Why? Because you're a father of the most high God. That's why. And he's a conqueror. He's the, he's the general of our army. How many of you grew up singing the song? I may never... But I'm in the Lord's army. Some of you are freaked out right now. 
And that's all right. We sing these little songs. And the whole point we're teaching these kids these songs is we want them to know that there's soldiers in an, arm, in an army and there's a war to be fought. And it ends up with this. Yes, sir. I'm going to follow my general wherever he orders me to go. I'm going to go where he wants me to go. And it's not a question of, of, of if. It's, it's really a question of when. Now hold your spot. And come with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. I want to show you something here. This is uh, one. That really wore me out somehow. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 11, I think, is a very sad passage of Scripture. Very, very sad passage of Scripture. Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. Listen. If you don't have a Bible, I know they're up on the screen, but I want you to look at the words on the Word of God in your lap. All right? That's your Bible. All right. Look what he says in verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired. Look at this. At the time when kings go forth to what? They go forth to battle. It's that time of the year. What time is it? It's time to go war. Right? It's time to go battle. Check out that David sent Joab and his servants with him. Oh, and all Israel. Remember how Sihon and all gathered their entire army and went to battle? What's David doing? He's gathering his entire army and sending them to battle. Where's King David? He's kicking it at home. Playing Fortnite while everybody else is doing real war out there. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and beseeched Reba. Look at this. But. Pay attention when, the, when, when God sticks the word but in Scripture. You better be paying attention. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. What's David trying to do? He's trying to avoid going to war. Been there, done that. Had my battles, had my victories, done my thing. Let somebody else go to war. Let somebody else do their thing. I've had enough. I've had my fill. I'm just going to sit here on my throne, do my thing, do my, do my everything. Now check out what happens. Verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed. Uh-oh. Nothing ever happens good at night. And it came to pass in an evening tide. That David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. Now, he would have had the house that was higher than every other house. He would have had the penthouse, right? He would have had the highest peak. He would have had the highest place so that nobody could look down on him, so that he could look down on everybody else. Um, this is a place that David has want to be haunt before. Uh-oh. What's he doing? And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. You see, David avoided going to war with Ammon, but found himself having a war at home. You see that? He tries to avoid a battle, but he comes face to face with one at home. Because what's he doing? He's checking out porn, guys. He didn't have it on his phone. 
because he didn't have a phone. He didn't watch it on TV because he didn't have cable. He didn't have access to it, but he had access to it, and he knew where to go. And he knew if I can just get alone and get away from everybody else, I can go do my thing and nobody will know any different. And she's very beautiful to look upon. Listen, can I just talk to the gentleman in here for a moment? And I use that term very loosely tonight. Gentlemen, you can help you can't help the first look. But you can help the seventeenth. Ladies, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Guys know what I'm talking about. And here's David. He sees a woman bathing. A godly man would have said, yo, I'm going back inside. David wasn't too godly in the moment. He's checking her out. And he keeps watching. Lust of the flesh got him to stay at home. Lust of the eyes gets him to walk out and look. Oh, and check out this. He finds out. He goes, hey, verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Oh, one of your, one of your uh, best men in battle, one of your best friends? That's his wife. And David sent messengers and, what's the next two words? Took her. Didn't say, hey, come on over. He stole her took her pride of life i'm the king i can do whatever i want lust of the flesh lust of the eyes pride of life takes her rapes her impregnates her she carries the baby to term and loses baby because of the sin In an effort to cover it up, because we always cover up sin, that's what we do. He has Uriah killed so that he can marry Bathsheba. And then here comes King Solomon, and then it gets crazy town after that. The reason I come to this passage is to let you know, you can't avoid it. If you're going to run away from this battle, there's going to be another one over here. And you think, well, I'll just remove myself from the situation. I got news for you. The problem that you left over here is going to be waiting for you over here. Completely. The question is not if, it's a when. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. He says, when thou goest out to battle against, what's the next two words? Thine enemies. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies. Good question. Here's the question you should be asking. How will I know what my enemy looks like? How do I know what the enemy looks like? Well, here's this. You only have three enemies. You only have three enemies. I've been holding this. Hold on a second. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, where you were reading this morning. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Now let's just read the first three verses here. Let's see if we can pick out our three enemies. You guys were talking about this just this morning. 
He says in verse 1, and you, believer, hath he quickened. He's, he's made you alive. He's, he breathed life into you. Who were past tense, dead in trespasses and sins. This is who you used to be. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this, what? Enemy number one is the world. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan. That's your second enemy. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our enemy number three. Your flesh. What are your enemies? The world, the devil, and the flesh. And what will you do in the flesh? Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now he's talking to believers in the past, talking about this, who you used to be. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. I love that but again. You see, there's that word. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And he goes on and on. God changes us. And God, I still got news for you. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, the world is still an enemy. Your flesh is still an enemy. And now Satan is a greater enemy. You only have three enemies. Pretty easy to define, isn't it? Well, how do I know what my enemy looks like when I go out to battle against thine enemies? In Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 3. You can flip back over there. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 3. Sorry, verse 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou. And he goes on and on and on. Well, how do I know what my enemy looks like? You only have three of them. And let me just tell you this. When is it time to go into battle? That's the next question, isn't it? When will I know when to go into battle? Well, here it is. You will know because of where the enemy sets up camp. Didn't we talk about that last night? How do I know when it's time to go to battle? When the enemy gets between me and where God is taking me. When the enemy gets between me and the Lord. There is an obstacle in my way. It has to go away. That's the enemy. It's always the enemy. And it's always going to be the world. It's going to be your flesh or it's going to be the devil. It's going to be one of those three. Every single time. You only have three enemies. And here's the reality of the world. Hey, let me just talk to believers for a moment. Those of you in this room that say, yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know what the world wants you to do? You will know it's the world. when You will know it's time to go to war. With the world, when the world is tempting you to just go with the flow, that you don't want to rock the boat, that it's a lot more comfortable to keep going this way. Listen, one of my favorite things to do, uh, my pastime is to fish. I'm not a good fisherman, but I, I love it. I'm, I really do love it. And I like going out to the local river when it's low, and I like to wait out there. I like to take my son with me. We like to wait out in the water. But sometimes that water's moving rather quick. It's moving rather quick, and it's just wanting to take me downstream, but I know where the fish are. They're upstream, right? And it is work. It is labor, and I'm, I'm just fishing and, and fishing. and fi- I'm right-handed, right? So I'm fishing, and I'm fishing, and, but I'm worn out, and there's just times where it'd just be nice to just stop fishing and just go for a float. And I catch myself doing that in my Christmas, 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 Christian walk. 
There's days where I just want to quit fishing. Where it's just easier to just, just go for a float. Just go where the world is wanting to take me. And stop being different than the world. Listen, that's an enemy. And those times when you're tempted just to go with the flow, it's time to go to war. It's time to go to battle. Oh, your flesh? Your flesh is going to tempt you to be scratching every itch you got. Every one of us has just one of those itches that just wants to be scratched. What is it? Is it an addiction? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it sex? Is it relationships? Is it video games? What is it? Is it sports? Is it working out? You name it. What is it? What is the itch that just gets your flesh moving? And if it's between you and the Lord, it's got to go. Amen? That's your flesh. Take it out. Eliminate that. Well, then the other, the other one is Satan. Well, what does Satan do? He just wants to be worshipped. And he wants to drive you a wedge between you and the Lord. And so if there's any, uh, any temptation you just to be disobedient to this truth, disobedient to the word of God, and a desire to worship something other than the Lord, that's Satan. You just go to war. It's time to go to battle. The issue is not if, it's, it's always when. All right, so that's to the believers. Those of you in the room that do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I take you to a passage of Scripture? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is very important. It wasn't on the notes, so don't freak out, guys. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Very revealing passage of Scripture. Because guess what? You have the same three enemies. You don't know Jesus, and yet you still have the same three enemies. The world does not want to let you go. It wants to hold on to you. It doesn't want to let you go. That's why you're struggling with giving your life to Christ tonight. Because you're worried about what the world's going to think. What's my friend going to think? What's my mom going to think? What's my family going to think? And you're worried about what the world thinks. Let me tell you, your flesh doesn't want you to get saved because you don't want to change. You're scared that your life's going to change. I've got news for you. You can't meet Christ and not change. You will be changed. And that's why you're struggling. And I got news for you. Satan is your enemy. Because he does not want to see you saved either. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Check this out. Verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. It's hid to them that are lost. Listen, you might be sitting here today and you're hearing everything we're saying, and yet it's not computing. It's not making any sense. It's just like hitting the top. You're like, man, it sounds right, but I'm just not understanding. I'm just not, I'm just not quite getting it. Because the gospel's been hidden from you. You want to know why? You have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's doing everything he can to keep you blind to it. 
Now check out what happens. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. If you're one of those in the room today that do not know Christ. Can I just tell you that your enemy is doing everything he possibly can right here, right now to keep you blinded. To keep the light of the glorious gospel from shining unto you. And here's why. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, look at this. If you don't get anything, get this at camp. Get this. I know the thing's battlefield. I know it's about war. I know it's about all of that. But if you can get anything, get this. For God, who command the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know what he just said? In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, where God says, Let there be light. And there was light. That's the same light that he wants to shine in your dark heart. That's the same light. And so in 1993, July 1993, when I bowed my head and I cried out, I said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you. And I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. Please save me. I believe you died for me. You you took my sin upon you. And I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Please save my soul. In that moment, in that moment, God said, let there be light. And the same light that shined in the darkness of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 shines in my heart. And it can happen for you tonight. And Satan's doing everything he possibly can to keep you distracted, to keep you blind to it. You have the same enemies we have as believers. Would you get saved tonight? Would you just cry out and say, Lord, be the Lord of my life. Save my soul. And if that's you, is there anybody here that says, you know what? I don't even know Christ. I'm asking you to do something really brave. I know it. That's me. I don't know Christ. I'd just love to talk to somebody more about it. I'm, I'm tired of being scared. I'm tired of having that conversation. There's one. That's brave right there. Anybody else? There's another one. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, let me, I'm just going to say, if you raised your hand, be brave. Be brave. Stand up and go to the back. And somebody will meet you right back there and open the Bible and share with you how you can know Jesus Christ. Do it right now. number one reason, the number one reason people get saved, the number one reason people get saved is because their life changes. And the number one reason people don't get saved is because their life changes. 
You can't meet Christ and it not change your life. It will change you. It changes everything about you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things become new. And it's amazing how many of your problems go away the moment you bow your knee and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And yet, believers, we've been there, done that, got saved five years ago. And I'm still carrying that crap. Can I say that? I just did. I hang out with Kale enough, right? And you're still carrying this, this crap with you. I just, I'm guilty of the same thing. We've got to get after it. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 20. But Tony, I'm, I was brave enough to write down what my battle is. I was, I was brave enough to at least admit it. I even, I even talked about it in cabin time. And now you're telling me I'm really going to have to fight this battle. Um, that scares me. That, that absolutely terrifies me that I'm actually going to have to deal with this. And so notice what he says in verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and, and a people more than thou, what's in he say? Be not afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Be not afraid of them. Don't be afraid. Here's your blank. You will be tempted to be afraid, but you must choose to fear instead. Say, what? Say, what? What are you talking about? I'm going to be tempted to be afraid, but I must choose to fear instead? That's right. That's right. Let Let me unpack this. Notice what he says. He says, don't be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Here's your blank. If you choose to be afraid of the enemy, get this, get this, get this. If you choose to be afraid of the enemy, you will become spiritually paralyzed. Spiritually paralyzed. You can't move, you can't think, you can't do anything because it's so overwhelming. And if you're choosing to be afraid of it, you're scared to move forward. And it's just more comfortable to just stay right here in my own little bubble And if I don't move, it won't hurt as much. You get paralyzed. There's two types of fear in your Bible. A paralyzing fear and a propelling fear. And if you choose to be afraid of your enemy, it will paralyze you. Listen. You can freak out. You can You can freak out and you can trust God. But you can't do both at the same time. Did you get that? You can freak out and you can trust God. But you can't do them both at the same time. You can't do them. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, lay that out for us. Be careful for nothing. But in everything. By prayer and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace which passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through him. Christ Jesus, our Lord. I probably butchered that somehow. 
truth is real. I can freak out or trust Jesus, but I'm never going to be able to do both at the same time. Here's your next blank. If you choose to fear the Lord, you will be propelled forward to face the enemy head on. Now it makes sense, doesn't it? If you're tempted to be, you will be tempted to be afraid, but you've got to choose to fear instead. I'm going to fear the Lord instead of being afraid of my enemy. I'm going to put my fear in the Lord. I'm going to have my utmost respect and, and honor and glory to the Lord. And it's amazing how big my God looks compared to who my enemy is when I, when I view him like that. There's a cheesy little bumper sticker, little sayings that people, that people say. You know, don't tell God how, how big your enemy is. Tell your enemy how big your God is. Yeah, I know it's cheesy, but I like it. And I think it's pretty biblical. I do. Look over here in Exodus chapter 20. One little verse. Exodus chapter 20. In uh, verse 20. It's right here. Let's just look at it. And Moses said unto the people, fear not. Uh, why, God? Um. For God has come to prove you that whose fear? Oh, his fear. You see the two different types of fear in that verse right there? And Moses said to the people, fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear him. It's his fear. And his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. Come back over here to Deuteronomy 20. Actually, make a beeline to 2 Kings chapter 6. You want a crazy story? Check this one out. 2 Kings chapter 6. The uh, world's not very excited about what Elisha's been talking about. And so they're lashing out. <laughs> and it's getting ready to go to war. 2 Kings chapter, chapter 6 and verse 13. And he said, he's talking to, uh, to another one of the guys, says, go, on, go and spy where he is that I, may, that I may send and fetch him. And I was told him, and, and it was told him, saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore, sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 1. And a great host uh, compassed the city both with horses and chariots. Verse 15, and a servant said unto him, alas, my master. How shall we do? Hey, uh, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's a lot more of them than there is of us. Pretty easy to do the math. Looking around, um, I, I know, I know God said that I'm not supposed to fear my enemy, that I'm supposed to fear God. Um, but the numbers aren't matching. I mean, it's a lot easier when the numbers are at least equal, right? But this is so lopsided. He says, how shall we do, verse 16? And he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Okay, Elisha, what you been smoking? Because uh, you're telling me we got a whole lot more people, and uh, I'm looking inside the city, and there's not a whole lot of people in here. And what does Elisha do? Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. Counselor, you want to know how to pray for that kid that's been struggling in your cabin? How about you just pray, open his eyes. 
his eyes. Lord, open her eyes. Why? That he may see. Why? Because the God of this world hath blinded the eyes. You see? Does that make sense? That he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And he's like, all right, that's cool. Let's do this. It's amazing. We get total vision on our enemy. We're not able to see the victory that we've already achieved, that we already have in the Lord Most High. You've already got the victory because you're on the Lord's side. And I got news for you. When you're on the Lord's side, he's on your side. And he never loses a battle. Amen? You missed the shouting moment right there. You missed it. In the South, they would have had that one figured out. I'm just saying. Come on with it. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Let me give you this. Let me give this blank. Having a godly fear reminds you that even when it appears that you are outnumbered, you will never be outmatched. That's what godly fear looks like. When it appears like there's absolutely no possible way that victory could ever be achieved. When it feels like you, there were, you are completely outnumbered. Having a godly fear reminds you, I may be outnumbered, but I'm not outmatched. I'm not outmatched. And I really want to go with a Rocky reference right here, but none of you will understand it. So I got to move on. But isn't it just stinking cool? Isn't it just awesome to see the underdog win? Isn't it just nice to play Fortnite and there's only 10 guys left and you win? And you know you're horrible at the game. And you still won. It's just pretty nice. You know, I didn't tell you. The very first time I played Fortnite, I got third place. My very first game. Because I hid in a bush. <laughs> and the moment I stuck my head up, I was dead. I'm just saying. There's days where you just feel outnumbered. Where you don't want to get out of bed. You want to go to school. You don't want to go to youth group. You don't want to go to work. You don't want to get up and walk into the living room. Because you just feel outnumbered. You're not outmatched. Will you just trust God? Will you just trust Him? Will you just trust Him? And watch Him put work. Just let go. Just let go. People will fail you. I will fail you. Kale will fail you. Steve-O will fail you. But the Lord Most High, I love you, bro. The Lord Most High will never fail you. 
is for you. And he loves you. All right, quickly, let's look at verses 2 and 3. In verses 2 and 3, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 2 and 3 says, And it shall be, when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you, re- you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. All right, some of you are dreading cabin time right here, right now. You're dreading it. You're dreading it. Because you know you're going to come face to face with that enemy. You know face to face. You know that the Spirit of God is tugging your heart and crying for you to get saved. You know the Spirit of God is tugging you saying you need to get right with the Lord. You know the Spirit of God is saying you need to lay that pornography down. You need to lay that addiction down. You need to lay that relationship down. You know the Spirit of God is all over you. And it's time, it's getting ready to be time to rise up and go face your enemies. Don't be afraid. Don't you do it. Here's your, here's your next blank. You should not be alone when you take the battle to the enemy. Notice, the enemy's not coming to you. You're walking up to this saying, hey, what's up? You want some of this? It's time. It's time. That's a saying we have in our house. You want some of this? And my son goes, nope, I want all of it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right now, I still got him duped. That's what he says right here. Notice this. Can I just let you in on a little Bible study tip? Look at verse 1. When thou goest against the battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, and be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when, what's the next word? Ye, Tony, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. Every, ever, anybody have a hard time reading the these and the yees? Don't freak out. The is always singular. Ye is always plural. That just opened up the whole Bible for you right there. The singular, your enemy, your singular, thine enemy. And when you step up to the plate, it says when ye. You don't have to do this alone. That your brother and sisters in Christ are right beside you. Man, there's comfort in the cabin, isn't there? There's comfort in the body of Christ. There's comfort that I'm not facing this alone. Maybe I'm not the only one facing this thing. And then they can hold me, here's the word we hate, accountable. Listen, here's your next blank. You aren't the only one on the battlefield. You aren't the only one on the battlefield. Why? Because we all have the same three enemies. They just have different skins. Like John Wick and Omega and Black Knight and the Bright Bomber and Raptor. Like pornography and sex addiction and shooting things up in my arm. Smoking a little something, something. They all just have different skins. Rebellion. Disobedience. 
cutting. Oh, I got family members, they cut. For those that they starve themselves. I've got a cousin rehab right now going through that. all facing something. We just got different skin. And it's always satanic. It's always fleshly. It's always worldly. But you don't have to fight it alone. You don't have to fight it alone. Now, I think it's pretty amazing that the priest stands up and just begins to just remind them of what God has done. And here's your next blank, and go to Ephesians chapter 6, but here's your blank. The only weapon you need is a two-edged sword. The only weapon you need is a two-edged sword. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Can I just say, why does Fortnite night, why did they not have a sword? No, that's, that, that's an axe. And those are some silly looking axes. I'm just saying. Ephesians chapter 6. Although I did think the crossbow was pretty chill. Didn't do anything. But it's just pretty cool. You know, the, uh, the best offense is a great defense. Isn't it? The best offense is a great defense. Somebody needs to tell the Cavs that. <laughs> Truth? Come on. I'm not just rising up. This is real. That's legit. Wouldn't try to even do any smack. Wasn't talking smack. Just shooting it straight. The only weapon you need is a two-edged sword. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 6, very familiar passage. You can be checking it out later on the week. But check this out. Finally, my brethren, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, not in your might, Bobby. That boy can deadlift, man. I'm just saying. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of whose might? His might. Because I ain't got no might. I got might lie down, might run away and pee my pants. Is what I got. That's the kind of might I got. Put, you, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to, to fight. doesn't say that. It's just to stand against the wiles of the devil. To just like stand there and take it. Why? Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right, so stop, time out. Whoop! Some of you have been convicted so far already. You've already been convicted. God's laid out, here, here's what your battle is. He's, he's identified it. You've got it written down. And here's what you're thinking. I just need to try harder. I just need to be a better Christian. When I go home and get off the bus, I'm going to do everything I can to just please the Lord and do everything right. I'll, be at, I'll, be, I'll read my Bible every day. I'm going to be at church every, every moment. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be the first one down front to worship. I'm going to do everything right. And you'll still have the same enemies and you'll still be defeated. You cannot fight spiritual battles in fleshly ways. 
It's not possible. What did he tell you to do? Put on the whole armor of God and stand there. Just put it on and show up. That's it. And you will win. Excuse me? Like, that's the whole battle plan. Get ready for war and stand there. Okay. And he has to qualify it in verse 12. Here's why. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's just a spiritual warfare, man. Quit trying to fight it in physical ways. You're never going to try harder. You're never going to do enough to get victory. You have to let go and trust the Lord. My, all right. I like war movies. Braveheart, like being way up there. And I know it's not historically accurate and, and his accent is stupid. I get it. But I like the movie. And one of the scenes in the movie is they're like just standing there. And I'm like, this is the stupidest way to fight war. You stand there, they shoot at you, you shoot at them, and no one's hiding. No one's ducking. They're just standing there and taking it. I would I would have peeped my pants. In fact, some of them do in the movie. But one of my favorite scenes is the English are charging. And the Scottish are there. And Mel Gibson just says, hold, hold. I've been like, Gee! I've been running, man. I've been out of there. And they just hold. They don't even move. They just stay there with their swords drawn. And then they attack. You got to watch the movie. I'm just saying. It's a powerful thing. I just love it. They just stand there. Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to what? Stand. So that's the second time he's told you to stand. Look at verse 14. Stand, therefore, three times he's told you to stand, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, if I'm not, ladies, 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 if somebody's going to start talking to you about your wardrobe, your outfit, your little, your, your whole ambiance, that is you. And they say, hey, where'd you get that? Or what are you wearing? You're either going to start from the top down or from the bottom up. You're going to start with the kicks, the shoes, and work all the way up. Or you're going to start here and work your way down. He starts with the underwear. Doesn't he? He says, have your loins girt about with truth. Now, I'm not trying to get crazy here, so I'm going to be keeping it clean. Where's the very first place in archery tag that Satan attacks? He's aiming at your junk. I'm just saying. Can I tell you why? He wants to keep you from reproducing yourself in the lives of men and women. And if he can take out your ability and your willingness to reproduce yourself, then he's already won the war. That's why he talks about your underwear. Right? Having your loins girt about 
with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness where it protects your heart, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, where you're just ready to go and share the gospel, be, being a missionary to your neighborhood, to your school, to everywhere you go. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. Why? Because you need your mind right. Notice the order. Get your heart right before your mind's right. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And if your heart's right, your mind will be right. So many times we try to get it right here so it'll change our heart. That's not how it works. God works from the heart up. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Why are they making us memorize these verses? Um, Because there's a weapon in having the Word of God memorized. There's a weapon there, isn't there? I begin to have an issue with this. Wait, God gave me a verse about that. And I begin to memorize it. And I begin to quote it. And there's strength in that. Oh, you're, you're coming at me with, with the way that I think. Huh. What does the Bible have to say about, oh, I, I'm tempted to do what David did and, and, and check out the local porn shop. Oh, I think my Bible says that Job thought, made a covenant with his eyes not to think upon a maid. Huh. Maybe I've got that one memorized. There's a sword of the Spirit. It's a two-edged sword. It's the, it's the Word of God. All right, come back over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. We got time. All right, look at verse 3 and 4. And you shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. Why? For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Ready for your next blank? You should have confidence because you have a not-so-secret weapon, baby. You've got a not-so-secret weapon. It's the Lord Most High. Here's your next blank. Any battle you face belongs to the Lord. It belongs to him. That means you've already won. That means you can focus on the solution and no longer focus on the problem. You want some peace in your life? Start focusing on the solution and stop worrying about the problem. That'll give you some great peace. That'll change your life right there if you let it. Now notice what he says. In verse 3 and 4, he says, don't be afraid. Verse 4, for the Lord your God is he that goeth with you. Now, I gave you these two points last night. I don't have to fight. I just have to show up. I just have to show up. And I'm going to ask you to do that tonight. Show up. We're going to leave here. We're going to sing. And we're going to go straight to cabin time. you walk out these doors and you walk to your cabin, you're going to be tempted to have silly conversations. You're going to be tempted to do all these different little things. Just march as a soldier to war. And walk into the cabin and show up. Knowing that you've got a brother and sister in Christ going through the exact same stuff you are. It may just look a little different. And hold each other accountable. And watch God go to war. And watch God go to war. 
Watch God get the victory. Focus on the solution and quit worrying about the problem. How about that? We'll close with this. If God is not fighting your battles, fill it out. Then you're on the wrong battlefield. If God's not fighting your battles, then you're on the wrong battlefield. Hey, you're putting away. Stop. I'm not, I said I'm closing. I didn't say we're done. Come on now. You might want to write this one down. Because it's not up there. That means, get this, if Satan isn't attacking, then you're on the wrong battlefield. Did you get that one? What if I'm not getting any satanic activity? If, if Satan's not attacking me, then I'm on the wrong battlefield too. You ever think about that? Because he's comfortable in your life. He's comfortable with you reading your Bible. He's comfortable with you going to church. He's comfortable with you raising your hands in song and, and singing. He's comfortable with all that. But the moment you begin to have your life changed, the moment you begin to deal with your sin, that's when he's coming after you. But if he's not coming after you right now, I'm telling you, you're on the wrong battlefield. Or you're just having shown up. Listen, this is important to get. Satan doesn't have to try to defeat a lot of believers because they've already defeated themselves. They've already defeated themselves. And Satan doesn't waste ammunition on people that aren't in the fight. He's not wasting ammunition on people that aren't in the fight. Are you in the fight? Are you even receiving an opposition? If you're not receiving opposition tonight, then you got issues. Let's deal with them. Now, I hope you put that together. That means that when you go to cabin time and you go and you show up, that the enemy's going to be waiting for you. That means it's going to be hard. And it's going to be tough. And numerous, numerous times, he said, don't be afraid. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified of them. You're not in this alone. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Because everything in us is saying, run away! Change the subject! I don't want to talk about it! Everything in us is saying, no! And God's just saying, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting on you to show up. And to trust me and watch me go to work. Would you just trust me? Just trust me. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for everything you've revealed to us in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Father God, Lord, I pray that these four verses would just change our life. Lord, I pray that everything inside of us would just say, it's time to let go. It's time to just stand. And it's time to just trust the Lord. Lord, I pray for those souls in here that were not brave enough to raise their hand and say, I don't know Christ. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would not let them rest. I pray that you would not give them rest. That they would not get sleep. Lord, I pray that as we're singing, they would grab a hold of somebody and say, I don't know Christ, and I want to get saved right here, right now. 
We want to pray for those believers that are just come to camp to have a blast. And Lord, we're here to have fun. But Lord, I pray for those that are here. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes that they might see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.